Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. District of Conservation is sponsored by Real Camo Girl. It's a lifestyle brand focused on ladies who love the great outdoors. Through the website and social media platforms, they offer a safe space where the ladies can share their pictures, stories, wild game, and fish recipes, and news articles about conservation and hunting perspectives. I've served as a pro staffer of theirs since September 2016. It's been two years, and I've learned it's a network of women who love fishing, hunting, and the outdoors in general. Women come from all sorts of backgrounds, experience levels, and regions throughout the United States. It's a welcoming environment, and should you choose to be involved, especially if you're a lady... You will really enjoy it. So be sure to check out Real Camo Girl at www.realcamogirl.com and follow them across social media. Welcome to episode seven of District of Conservation. This is Gabriella Hoffman, your humble host. And before I dive deep into some of the latest news emanating from Washington, D.C. and elsewhere, I wanted to briefly touch upon the vacation I just returned from in Florida. So I got to see firsthand how the red tide issue is affecting the state. I've heard it from many of my friends who live in the southwestern coast, but getting a taste of it for myself on the Sunday I arrived there about a week ago, it was pretty uncomfortable. It was hard to breathe. The water looked a bit discolored. And seeing that firsthand really did kind of put the gravity into perspective in terms of the issue at hand. And I'm going to discuss a policy in relation to that, that was just passed nearly unanimously in both chambers of the United States Congress. So stay tuned for that. The first item I wanted to discuss is the recent proclamation of National Hunting and Fishing Month by Interior Secretary Ryan Zinke. On October 9th, Secretary Zinke announced that this would be the first inaugural celebration of National Hunting and Fishing Month, much like National Hunting and Fishing Day, which took place in September. It's a really positive development. And unbeknownst to many Americans out there, people do not know that this administration has expanded public land opportunities to hunt and fish by a whopping approximate 4 million acres. Here's what the secretary said in his statement. He says, quote, I am proud to designate the month of October as National Hunting and Fishing Month, he said. American hunters and anglers are the backbone of conservation efforts, generating over a billion dollars each year for conservation. For more than 150 years, sportsmen and women have led efforts to protect and conserve our nation's fish and wildlife. In an effort to serve as good neighbors and stewards of our public lands, the department has opened millions of acres for hunting, and we are currently working to protect big game migration corridors. I call upon all Americans to join us in recognizing the lasting benefits hunters and anglers have provided our society through their time, tireless efforts, and financial resources. So this goes to show that hunters and anglers do contribute a lot to conservation, if not the bulwark of conservation funding in this country. And I'm glad the secretary recognizes that time and time again. And you guys didn't know, per the 2016 U.S. Fish and Wildlife Survey that came out not too long ago, approximately $156 billion has been pumped back into the economy 
largely due to these activities, and about 40% of Americans participate in outdoor activities ranging from camping to birding to hunting and fishing and more. So that's a really good step. Another important piece of legislation that you guys should be aware of is the reformation of the Billfish Conservation Act, which President Trump signed into law on August 2nd, 2018. Recently, it was revealed that through the Center for Sport Fishing that no fisheries and the Department of Commerce have successfully implemented a reform to this. And as you guys know, billfish comprise sailfish, swordfish, and other bill-like trophy fish that are sport fishing anglers target way, way, way out. It could be close to shore, way offshore, whatever. So they're highly prized fish and they're primarily caught and released because their population numbers aren't as ideally high as they should be. So in 2012, this law banned the importation of all billfish caught by foreign fleets in the continental United States. So what this amending of the act did uh, was to address whether or not Congress intended the same prohibitions on foreign caught billfish imposed by the bill to also apply to billfish caught commercially in Hawaii. So people were concerned domestically caught billfish could be transported from Hawaii to the U.S. mainland, circumventing the intent of this conservation measure. This modification successfully altered the course of this. So it's a win for conservation. A third critical piece of legislation that passed this week was the America's Water Infrastructure Act of 2018, better known as WDRA. And it passed in the United States Senate by a 99 to 1 vote. And prior to that, it passed unanimously in the House of Representatives, 435 votes to zero. That's a rarity in Washington, D.C. these days. And unlike what most people say about bipartisan legislation, not all bipartisan legislation is good. This seems to be actually very good bipartisan legislation. Uh, in the name of conservation and helping out uh, water issues throughout this country, especially with the issue of discharges, toxic algae, and red tide currently affecting Florida's southwestern coast and a little bit on the eastern coast uh, from there, and, and to help offset the problems that are emanating from Lake Okeechobee. So what this does, essentially, and I'm reading a from a press release about it, is it helps to restore wetlands and dunes to reduce flood and storm damage in an attempt to be in a cost-effective measure for the American taxpayer. And what it does specifically for South Florida is to improve clean water flows through the region and support the development of technologies to reduce harmful toxic algae blooms that have killed millions of fish across the state this past summer. So the red tide issue, if you guys didn't know, has been affecting Florida for many years, but this bout of it, which has been in effect since last fall, has been the brunt of devastation. And and this is naturally occurring, but this, this bout of red tide has been very, very bad for the state economically, for the wildlife there, especially marine wildlife and everything else in between. And what it also does in relation to conservation as a whole this water infrastructure bill is provide more advanced research on preventing the spread of invasive species like Asian carp and zebra mussels, whose growing populations threaten many popular fishing destinations. We have these zebra mussels in the Potomac River. I sometimes catch them. So that's a very good thing to hear. And while this 
won't entirely fix the problem with Florida's situation. It's a good first step. A lot of my friends in Florida have said that the construction of the EAA reservoir, which will likely result from this, uh, will help mitigate the problem, although that's not enough. And I will keep a lookout for that for you guys up here in Washington. But this is a good first step with promoting conservation. A fourth and final piece of legislation I wanted to discuss for the podcast this week is the No Red and Blue Banks Act introduced by Senator Kennedy of Louisiana. And did you guys know that Bank of America and Citigroup have attempted to penalize lawful gun manufacturers in wake of mass shootings perpetrated by criminals? Yes, you heard that right. Gun manufacturers are unfortunately the target of increased politicization by corporations when they shouldn't be because they shouldn't be penalized for the wrongdoings of criminals. And what these two banks have done, this isn't, this isn't a new thing. They've been trying to go after gun manufacturers who use their services for about the last year or two. But Senator Kennedy introduced Senate Bill 3539 called the No Red and Blue Banks Act in the Senate Committee on Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs to prohibit the General Services Administration from awarding contracts to certain insured depository institutions that avoid doing business with certain companies that are engaged in lawful commerce based solely on social policy considerations. So these banks are engaging in social policy activities when they shouldn't be. They're supposed to be servicing all Americans, law-abiding companies, regardless of whether or not it's pro-gun control or pro-Second Amendment. And denying these services is not a smart financial move either. That's what I've heard from people in the gun industry. I've seen it myself, how it actually has a bad effect on them and they lose business. I don't know why banks would want to engage in this type of social corporate behavior to penalize law-abiding gun owners and gun manufacturers. And essentially what it would do would stop boardroom pressure that would infringe on lawful commerce and American gun rights through the second amendment. So this bill is being championed by the national shooting sports foundation as a goodwill bill. And I will keep track of it here at district of conservation and also the resurgent elsewhere. So you guys are aware of it, but I think certain pieces of legislation can help mitigate, not necessarily control the affairs of corporations. We don't want that, but I think this could be a goodwill effort to make sure that banks don't penalize people for engaging in lawful commerce transactions. That was a shorter, but sweeter episode seven of district of conservation. I hope you found the policy discussions or listings of pertinent policy things happening in Washington, D.C. and elsewhere to be informative. If you guys have any questions about the four aforementioned proclamations and or legislation, let me know and I'm happy to answer them for you. So if you like what you're hearing on District of Conservation, make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play and other podcasting portals. Leave a review on any preferred platform you have and share the word. Make sure you follow us on social media, especially Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to never miss a beat and never miss an episode. So thank you for listening. And I hope you guys stay tuned for future episodes coming soon.